Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Greetings. I'm Lisa Lorenzen, Director of Transformation Strategy with Zscaler. Hi, everybody. Pam Kubitowski, Director of Transformation Strategy here with Lisa. And I have some questions for Pam today about a topic that is near and dear to me, which is mergers and acquisitions. I have been fascinated by the technical and political challenges of M&A for years. And I've read a lot about it. I've worked on projects with customers, but I've always done so you know, over the last couple decades, at least from the vendor side. And Pam here got to actually live that dream. So when you think about mergers and acquisitions, I'd really love to hear what it felt like from the other side of the table. What was the business journey that you had to go on and sort of where you started and the process you went through to get to a really solid and really scalable, flexible M&A approach? So you call it a dream. Um, there were times in which I thought it was a nightmare based on who we acquired. It's interesting because I hear this from so many companies and peers in the industry I talk to. A lot of times you'd hear about an acquisition, literally, that your company bought and acquired a company. You'd hear it in the news that morning. It's not like you got, you know, a heads up, something's coming because these were always going, most of them were always um, confidential until the last minute. And so you'd wake up in the morning, everybody start texting everybody because it hit the news. And you're like, oh my God, we got another acquisition. In my former life, we'd have anywhere between eight to 10 going at a given time. Oh, and you owned global networking. So this was particularly challenging for your team, right? It was because, you know, you're talking about acquisitions that went from anywhere from eight people all the way up to the largest one I um, was part of was 18,000 employees globally, right? Over 125 locations in the world. And when you look at that and thinking about how do I start to connect? How do I start to integrate this company? Quite frankly, in the, it, I call it the old days. You know, four or five years ago, we would have an interim network, we would call it. And it was literally made of these massive security stacks, and what you would do is you would get an acquired company. The first thing you do is start putting together the plan. And we had a playbook. We had a great playbook. We had process. We had procedures. We would follow it as much as possible. But until you actually understood what you were inheriting, and when I say inheritance is, you know, sometimes inheritance isn't a good thing because there were times in which you would inherit a company that's being acquired by you that had a very, very old environment non-standards. There was a company we bought in Latin America and it was distributed. Their, their facilities were all over Latin America. They had actually acquired over a hundred small little companies and they never integrated it. Oh. So all of these companies had their own little, what you would call a network, but really wasn't. They had systems that I never even heard of. Oh my gosh. And, and now you're thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to go ahead and secure this? How am I going to secure them? Because I can't connect them. And how do I even connect them to this interim network when they have all these different domains? They have all these different environments. You know, there's not one point of entry for them. So it was always such a 
interesting endeavor because you did not know what you were going to inherit and how you were going to actually go about starting the integration process. And back then, you had only one way to do this was integrate. If you wanted users to get to your internal apps, unless you gave them Citrix and a VDI, basically, we weren't going to give them VPN and full access to the network because we didn't know how they were secured. So you literally would start the integration process. And the integration process was, here's this bucket of money. You only have enough money to refresh basically their firewalls or anything that was internet facing. And that's what you took responsibility for day one, you know, really day one to get that secured up and then figure out how to start that integration process, which in a lot of instances went two to three years. Your playbook's out the window. You've got a limit on what actions you can take. You're faced with the business breathing down your neck to get you productive. The limitations of your budget, probably communication challenges as you dig into this. Is that what provoked you to look at Zscaler? Actually, all those things were true. What happened was that interim environment, the hardware and, and the software came up for, for refresh. And the, the interesting thing is every time we acquired a company, um, you never received more capital. You still had the same bucket you started with, even though you may have acquired 10 more sites or 50 more sites that had aging hardware or aging environments. And so when that interim network came due for refresh, we thought to ourselves, we, we got to do this differently. We got to figure out a different approach here. And that's when we already had deployed Zscaler, ZIA and ZPA throughout the environment globally. Over 100,000 employees were using it. I had a brilliant, brilliant technical mind in one of my managers, and he went ahead and he was responsible for Zscaler technology. He went ahead and worked actually with the Zscaler team and brought with the Zscaler team the fruition of how using ZPA, you can do what we deemed cross-company connectivity. Get, giving a user, giving a user on a disparate network, ZPA, and giving them that ability to actually reach and access an application on a different network. That's what actually changed it for us. Makes sense. And so as you went through this, what did you learn when you were first diving into it? I think what was um, interesting is it kind of bit me because what happened was when we actually got ZPA working for the first acquisition, all of a sudden the finance group sat back and said, oh, wait, this is awesome. Oh my goodness. You don't need that integration budget. I'm like, no, 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 wait, hold on. Keep that money. Because what what was the greatest part of this was we gave the business a decision. They were able to go ahead and decide, number one, because we gave that early access, right? You had facilities now, the facilities group was excited because now they were starting to collapse you know, facilities. They were looking at, okay, how can we now start to collapse the sales forces, all this. But from an integration perspective, they could decide, the business could decide, do we continue to proceed with a full integration with a full budget. Here's the plot timeline for integration. Same integration we would do that we would have done in the past. Or do we now integrate via a refresh cycle? When a system comes due, does it get refreshed where it should be in the end? Or are we going to keep that actual acquisition as a standalone and just allow 
that cross-company connectivity, that cross-network connectivity to applications because they're not sure what is the long-term longevity of that company we just acquired. That really gave the business um, a great ability to decide what was right. The other piece that it did is we used it to identify, hey, where were people going to on the old network, right? What applications did they need to access? Because let's face it, unless an app is a fully qualified name, there were a bunch of them that just were IP addresses. And so what we would do is we would use the Zscaler technology, the ZPA, we turn up a connector in front of those applications in that acquired company's data center. And then we'd start to watch where people were going to. And then we'd ask them, okay, well, listen, we see all these IP addresses, what are they? They're like, oh, those are old homegrown applications we have. Okay, are they still needed? Oh, no, we haven't used those in years. We just didn't decom them. So you started to also be able to use the technology to understand what you're inheriting from an application perspective. Makes sense. I think that a lot of the challenges that you're talking about are very conceptual rather than technical. When you were trying to explain some of these benefits and some of the challenges to the rest of the business, what did you find was the best way to communicate that? Really, it came down to being able to you see connectivity to the business is magic until it breaks, right? <laughs> Yes. And once it breaks, that's a whole different conversation, but they just expect it to work and be able to, you know, business people, the business doesn't understand what it takes to connect two networks together. IP overlaps, right? What it literally takes to integrate a company, you know, looking at just collapsing different identity platforms, looking at, you know, for us, it was Active Directory, looking at the Active Directory groups and saying, oh my goodness, okay, Let's, does this get cleaned up now or later? There's so many things from a technical perspective that, and I think this is where it's still really important that playbooks are created using now, cleaning them up, taking the playbook and modifying it to use the Zscaler technology. Because let's face it, and to be absolutely clear, Zscaler does not mitigate full integration it allows the early access and ongoing access for users to applications, which you may never need to integrate. But, but again, it mitigated the fact that I didn't worry about overlapping IP addresses. I didn't worry about the fact that, oh, did the desktop team go ahead and patch all those PCs? I didn't worry about all those things from a technical perspective that I would have worried about in the past because we, we were protecting that connectivity and limiting where users could go to until they were authenticated and authorized. Yeah, there's a lot to consider there. I've got a lot more questions about how you went through this and maybe some of the phases that you explored, what worked and what didn't in each phase. But given that we've already been talking for a while, we should maybe save that for a second conversation. So any last thoughts at this point before we wrap on this one? I think the only thing is, is what, just to leave everybody with the lasting thought is, you know, an acquisition in the past to get early connectivity, even with that interim network was months. And based on where a location was or a data center was in the world, it could have been two months, three months, four months. Mm -hmm. And one of the things of using the Zscaler technology is we pulled that 
the time to value of that acquisition forward. Because now you're talking that maybe it took us a week or two to get them connectivity, cross-company connectivity to applications for users. And that value was, wow, the business was wow, because it's the time to value financially to your business that really saw the benefits there. Makes a lot of sense. So next time we'll talk about more details of how to get there. Some of the building blocks, some of the steps you can take, maybe some pitfalls to avoid. And I'll look forward to talking with you then. Sounds great. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust with myself, Lisa Lorenzen, and my colleague, Pam Kubiatowski. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. Pam and I are directors of transformation strategy at Zscaler. You can find our profiles on LinkedIn or reach out to us and other CXO transformation leaders in the Zscaler CXO community LinkedIn group. Zscaler is a zero trust exchange inline cloud security provider for some of the largest companies on the Forbes Global 2000. Find out more about Zscaler at zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.